So it's the second day of this retreat. And yesterday I talked about developing mindfulness and bringing samadhi to stability with sila, this virtue, as our foundation and having the support of dana or generosity as well. So this all works to help us travel to Nibbana. So we have this highest wish, which is the developing of the mind to reach Nibbana, which is bringing the mind to emptiness and purity. And when it reaches that emptiness and purity, then it doesn't attach to anything. There isn't anyone there who is pure, and there isn't any person who enters into purity. It doesn't exist. So this is the genuine Dhamma. So for most of us, we wish for the very highest thing, for the mind to reach the state of Nibbāna. But before we get there, we need to put in our efforts first. So, for example, if we're someone who isn't generous, then we train in generosity, <clears throat> both this external and internal generosity. So on the external level, it's that of giving material things. And we do that to the best of our energies, but also in a way that doesn't bring harm to ourselves or to others. And this is something that we do consistently already. So we sacrifice, we give, that's a lot or a little, in line with the power of our faith and our financial means. So also ones who have faith as well. And when we have that faith, then we get this feeling that if we gain much wealth, then what we want to do with that is to bring about the greatest benefit. Because we're still alive. In life, it's something that's short. So people with intelligence, they will change over that wealth from external wealth into internal wealth, this noble wealth. And this is a wealth which is able to follow us onto the future, into the next life, so that we can have things in a, in a, a full, complete way. So this sila or virtue is also a wealth as well this noble wealth. So yesterday we took up the precepts, whether it's the five or the eight or the ten precepts. And through this practice of sila, we look after our actions of body and speech so that they are peaceful. If there are any emotions or sense impressions which come in through the mind, then the mind still proliferates in line with that. There's still the sense of self that comes up within the heart. But even so, we can control our actions of body and speech 
so that they do become better. Perhaps in the beginning we weren't able to keep sila, but as we carry on then it becomes better and better and we're able to do it. So the sila, this virtue, is something that is very important. Because sometimes our mindfulness is good, but also sometimes it's not so good. And sometimes our samadhi is strong. And when the samadhi comes about, then it brings about a buoyancy of both the body and the heart. And the body can feel very compact as well. And so this happens for some people, that their samadhi gathers together, maybe in their foreheads or in their nose or the chest or the navel, that it feels very firm and compact at that point. It can feel like the whole body is a rock or a piece of metal. And so this is a feeling that we gain within the heart. And when we leave that state of samadhi, then the mind has energy. Even though it receives these sensory experiences, it doesn't shake with them. That there's the stability and strength there. So we take that stability and peace to contemplate and to gain knowledge, to study. When the mind is in a peaceful state, then during that time it's clean. So it's like water that has dyes put into it, and the water changes color in line with that, and it becomes turbid and murky. But then we take those colors out, and the mind becomes clean again, or this water becomes clean and uh, pure again. Or if it's been stirred up and there's sediment kind of mixed up with the water, then we allow it to come to stillness and then that will fall and the water becomes clean once again. And we're able to see right into the bottom of that glass or the bottom of the pond. So the same too with the mind, we're able to see all of the um, impressions or the objects there within the mind. See the arising and ceasing of the thoughts and see how this is true with proliferation as well. We see that these things, they're not me, they're not mine. That we take up this body to contemplate as well. So we see the body, which we once perceived as being beautiful, we see that that's not the case. This body that we take as being me, as being a self, a source of happiness, is something that is constant, that we see clearly for what it is. We see how it changes in line with causes and conditions. And we can see this with clarity. How it's not a self, myself, it's merely a body. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. So this is the developing of the mind, and this happens in the stages. So we start off as Pratujanas, ones who are thick with defilements. And all there is is just self there. Everything we do is for me. That there's no interest in other people. And then through that, we harm ourselves and we harm others as well. And this just creates a lot of chaos. 
But from that, we turn into people who are virtuous. There's still a self there, but that self is better. It's a virtuous self. Because if there isn't this quality of sila dhamma, this virtue in the world, then the world will break apart. There'll just be harming of each other, and it'll be very difficult for anyone to live here, for anything to survive, the things with life and the things without life. But if we have this sila, this virtue, then this brings about peace and coolness. And it starts off in our homes and then spreads out to our workplace and then the country and then the entire world. But it's hard to find people who have sila. And these are the people who have developed themselves from the level of a putujana uh, to a kalyanajana, the one who is good and beautiful. But there's still more development that is needed there. We need to cultivate our mindfulness and our wisdom. So we're still able to control our actions of body and speech. And sometimes we get angry, sometimes there's ill will that comes up, and we try to forgive one another. And we may have heard that even sotapanas, dream interests, they still feel angry, they still feel this dislike. But even though there is this feeling of dislike there that doesn't proliferate into ill will, there's no wish to harm whatsoever. Because they see that this intention of cruelty or of harming, that this would bring up a self that isn't good. Even though there is this dislike there, they know that that dislike is something that's just natural. So whenever there's attachment, then we come to contemplate that, that feeling that arises, and see how that is anicca, dukkha, anatta, that that is something that's unstable and constant, it's stressful, it's not self. And sometimes uh, samadhi, it's just to a little degree. And there's mindfulness there, but the samadhi, it's not much. So we need to bring up this quality of forbearance first. It's natural for things to be this way sometimes, for the self to arise. But we try to cultivate that self, develop it further into one of a noble being. So we change from one whose mind is good and beautiful to one whose mind is noble. And it's noble because it doesn't chase after all of these feelings that arise within the heart that aren't good. So there's this effort to bring up goodness, to bring up uh, skillfulness and merit. So just like us here practicing on this retreat, and having this sincerity to join together like this. And so something that's very hard to find. People who see the dangers, the drawbacks, in the chaos of the mind, the mind that's always thinking, creating things, all to do with this self. And it just carries on going without stopping, right from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep. And then when we're asleep, we carry on dreaming. 
So the sleep, it's a resting of the body and also of the mind to a small degree. But the best rest for the heart is that of samadhi, bringing our mindfulness to be firmly established in just one object. Like knowing the breath, for example, the in-breath, the out-breath, on the in-breath bud, on the out-breath do. And we try to train in this with each and every day. We may start off our meditation with cultivating a heart of kindness first. And it's okay to do that. Now, developing this metta, wishing for all beings to be happy and for ourselves to be happy as well, to be freed from all suffering. Also, ask for the Bharami of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha to protect us. And there's no need to fear death or to fear going insane. Because what we're doing is we're practicing on the right path. And sometimes people wonder whether if they engage in this practice, they'll go crazy. But we need to look at ourselves and have a sense of ourselves. And if we're someone who's very tense and very stressed, then that's not right. So we need to be aware of ourselves. So we bring about this sila, so that we're firm in that, making our samadhi firm as well, and then bringing the mind to peace so that we can see the Dhamma, so that we can see into samuti, conventions, and then reach vimuti, liberation. You see, all things that we know, remember, perceive, that all of these are conventional things. These material things that we give names to, but we realize that in actuality those names aren't there. They don't actually have a name. They're just conventions that we use in order to label that particular thing so that we can talk to one another. When we practice, we contemplate this, that we call one kind of animal a chicken, another a duck, another a mouse. And these are the suppositions that we bring up. But when we understand the truth, then we see that that's not the case. But if there's delusion there, then we think that this is really what it is. That this thing really is a chicken, it's really called a chicken. Uh, that this is called a bird, that birds can fly, and that uh, a rat can't fly. And we understand things in this way. But when we develop the mind so that it reaches this peace and emptiness comes up, and we see that all things are conventions. And we understand that this isn't really the case. This liberation arises, seeing, knowing comes up. We see the Dhamma, we see nature, we see the Dhamma. We see that this self, it isn't me. And this is seeing the true self. Before we took the self as being me, and this was a deluded attachment that we had, Clinging to physical and mental things as being me, but that's a delusion. But if this wisdom arises, 
And we see all physicality and mentality as being things that are unstable, suffering and not self. We see all things in this way, that these are conventions. It's like a telephone or a phone. In English that's called a phone, in Thai it's called torasap. And this is a meaning that we give to it, to this piece of technology that we use for communication. But it's the same with male and female, uh, with chickens and ducks. That if there's that delusion there, then gender arises. But if the mind has been well established in peace and brought to stillness and when with one object, then there won't be any feeling of male or female. That I am this gender, or I'm a lay person, or I'm a monk. The mind has been brought to stillness like this. And it sees how all these external things are just conventional things. So when we look with a still mind, then this is how we will see things. And we see the Dhamma. There's this great joy and happiness that arises that nothing else can compare with. That the taste of the Dhamma is superior to all other tastes. So therefore all of us, we have a lot of merit already that we have been born into this life that we have. And that's great merit for us, it's not a small amount. We've also met with the Dhamma, the teachings of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. We've met with this path of sila, samadhi and banya, the virtue, collectedness and wisdom, that the Buddha sought out for such a long time that we can't count how many lives that took. For him to create this vehicle, or to find this vehicle that can take us out of our suffering. Because if we don't know the Dhamma, or see the Dhamma, then we will go between birth and death, birth and death, for such a long time. And each life that we are born into, there's me and mine there. But then we need to be separated from all the things that we take as being me and mine. If we get born as a human, then um, that's an alright state, but if we have a self that drops lower than that, then there's suffering there. So therefore the Buddha has laid down these teachings already and this practice of sila, samadhi, and banya. We may ask how much barami, the spiritual virtue or qualities we have developed already. But whatever the case, this life we need to create more, bring about a greater barami, progress from our last life, trying to develop this mind so that it grows in goodness trying to make this mind better, trying to make it newer than it was before. So we have this merit, we have good fortune, we have barami already. So we put our efforts in trying to be mindful of our bodies and minds, always being aware, watching over our bodies and mind. 
any movements that we engage in, we have a lot of mindfulness there. We sit for long periods, we walk for long periods, training to bring about this mindfulness so that our samadhi becomes well established. And so that these hindrances, these nivaranas, they clear out from the mind and the mind becomes clear in turn. There's this clarity that arises there. In the beginning, we need to train in this, though, don't we? We need to persist. We need to put in our efforts. We need to endure. We have this faith already. We have this determination already. So we bring up our efforts. Bring that in this life, we need to make it there. We need to be sincere so that our mindfulness becomes well established so that we are firm in this path of practice and we don't shake. So that we have this really firm faith within us. And it's really amazing when this happens. Initially, however, that we, as we practice, we stand up and then fall down and stand up, fall down, crawl along. And that's just how it is. But we also don't need to be sitting still all the time to practice. We can be doing our work in the kitchen or at the workplace or at home. No, whatever it is that we're doing, we can have mindfulness there. But if we need to think, then we use our thoughts. But as soon as uh, we're done with that, then we stop. We don't allow the mind to go into the scatteredness but rather we collect it together into peace, making the samadhi firm. And this is, is something that it's not above our capabilities. It's not above what we're able to achieve through our efforts, that we can become noble disciples of the Buddha. And we can walk this path that the Buddha has laid down, and we can see the Dhamma for sure. So may all of you be sincere in this, in making this mind clean and clear, getting it to that point, putting in the efforts, contemplating into mentality and physicality, seeing how this is anicca, dukkha, anatta. Sometimes there are painful feelings there, and these are things that we should forbear with. If our samadhi and our mindfulness is well established, then we can contemplate these painful feelings. Any pains, irritations that arise within the body, that we bring these up for contemplation. Looking into this body and how it is a heap of pain or suffering. Trying to separate the mind out from these feelings, seeing the feelings as being merely feelings training ourselves in this way because we know that in this life we're going to have to meet with these painful feelings both in the body and in the mind so may all of you set your hearts on this